Hi, my name is Phoebe Wilkinson and I am a beauty therapist, or if you're from outside of Australia, also known as an esthetician. I have over 10 years experience working within a range of different businesses, including hair and beauty salons, makeup artistry studios, day spas, skin clinics, and registered training organizations, teaching government accredited beauty qualifications, and as of more recently, moving overseas and experiencing working for a Turkish Moroccan inspired day spa and luxurious body range company called Sella in the heart of Toronto, Canada. Whether you are studying beauty therapy, have been a beauty professional for 10 years or more, own a business within the beauty industry, or have a general interest in the beauty world, then this podcast is for you. I wanted to create a platform for beauty professionals to come together to help inspire and empower, to encourage us to come together as a family rather than always competing with each other, somewhere where we can discuss topics like retailing techniques, education, staff management, active ingredients, marketing, industry expectations, and a whole heap more. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. everyone and welcome back to the beauty code we are officially at episode 10 when i first started this podcast it was because i wanted to provide an educational podcast for beauty therapists we have already talked about so many topics within the industry and how to make sure we are at our best including you know um, topics like retailing techniques and consultation procedures we did one on beauty myths different courses and different pathways uh, active ingredients and skin biology being the most listened to episode so far. I still have plenty of ideas for the future and I'm really hoping that you're enjoying the podcast so far. Um, I would love to hear from any of you or all of you about what has been your favorite thing about listening into these podcasts and what you would like to hear in the future. So please email me or um, shoot even just a DM over Instagram. That would be amazing. But today we are going to be discussing the topic of contraindications. Now, this is very basic training that really should be covered and uh, knowledge gained during the studies of beauty therapy, but it is always good to have a reminder as to how to diagnose, um, how to choose your, I guess, choice of words, why it's important to recognize contraindications, what to look out for, and how to alter your treatments accordingly. I feel like this is something that is stressed a lot in school, but when you come into the real world of aesthetics or beauty, it can just often be forgotten about. With the reopening of salons and spas after COVID-19, I just thought this would be a really good topic to discuss and just remind ourselves because there are going to be some extra measures as well that um, you and your spa are going to probably have in place too. So I'm not going to go over each contraindication to each treatment as we would be here forever and that is definitely something that you should already know. Um, However, we will go over the main ones as I guess I give examples. Um, If you're not in the industry, as I know I do have a few listeners that listen in just out of interest in beauty, um, the meaning of contraindication is I guess a condition that may cause a treatment to be not 
be sorry let me start that again it's a it's a condition that may cause a treatment to not be performed or it may be altered accordingly so there is a difference between contraindications and I guess what we call precautions. So a contraindication, I guess in my own words, is usually a condition or something that will prevent the service from being performed, usually due to like cross-contamination um, cross risk um, and the risk of being spread on client, um, but also, you know, the therapist and, and other clients within the spa and uh, clinic that walk through too. So imagine i guess you know any bacterial fungal parasitic viral infections obviously are all considered contraindications for all services um because they're highly contagious however there is also some circumstances that are not contagious um, that are still contraindications due to risk to clients. So for example, uh, cancer or maybe uh, a medication such as Roaccutane. Now, a contraindication could be a contraindication to a particular service. So if it's something like a medication like Roaccutane, it's very obvious that the client can't have waxing or any exfoliation done because the skin is so incredibly thin and dry. Um, if it's something... I guess so if it is Roaccutane, however, they could possibly have another service done. You might, you know, they might be able to have a massage done or um, a very, very, very gentle facial with like literally no exfoliation and probably just all hydration. Um, there are ways that you could alter it, but it's an absolute no for waxing, obviously. Um, but for example, cancer, that's pretty much the number one contraindication to pretty much every service. Um, and it's not just because of cancer itself. So obviously, if you have a client that was in the middle of treatment, um, she's on medication, she's probably, you know, at the most dangerous, I guess, part of her disease or he, I should say her or his, you have the risk of spreading or increasing or making worse if you were to go into to a treatment, especially like massage, body treatments, even facials. Um, however, if you wanted to do a treatment like waxing, it's not necessarily because of the cancer, but it might be because of the medication that she's on. And the medication will probably be thinning the skin again and making the skin dry. Um, there's all different medications, the treatments, the actual disease itself. So there's all different reasons as to why um, that would maybe be a contraindication to pretty much all services. Um, again, you might just have something that is a contradiction to one service but can you know it, the client can have another service done so precautions are usually conditions that may mean the treatment just needs to be altered but it can it can still be performed so this means the condition may not be contagious or harmful to the client so for example allergies so if your client has an allergy to a certain ingredient you can still perform that facial but you have to make sure that you're not using any products that has that ingredient in it and it might be an essential oil that she's allergic to or she might have a nut allergy that type of thing skin sensitivity so 
a precaution. You're not going to go in with um, like an AHA, like a glycolic peel or anything like that. You're not going to go in and do, you know, microdermabrasion. If they've got really highly sensitive skin, you're just going to alter that treatment, um, not use anything too aggressive or abrasive. And you want to focus on maybe strengthening and hydrating and nourishing and soothing, of course, as well. Um, or you might have something like during a waxing treatment, there might be like a risen mole. Obviously, it doesn't prevent you from doing the treatment. It's not a contraindication, but it is a precaution because you don't want to wax over the top of it. So you just go around it. And that's, I guess, what we mean by precaution. <clears throat> Okay, so let's go over ways that you are ensuring to cover all bases when um, you're starting your treatment. So to make sure that you have done everything you possibly can to ensure that you have no contraindications on the client or precautions on the client that you're looking after. So the first step or the first thing that really should be done is of course our consultation forms. So the form is I guess what your client fills out and it will have medical conditions, medications, and of course the client needs to sign and date it. If your client lists a condition or medication that may mean the treatment needs to be altered or even rescheduling, just discuss it with the client. So some examples of the choice of words that you could use is something along the lines of, I have noticed that you listed um, that you have been on Roaccutane before. Are you still taking it? How long has it been since you were on it? And just discuss it with the client. As beauty therapists or estheticians, we all know that obviously they can't be having services like waxing, exfoliation, like we discussed before if they're on Roaccutane, but they also have to be off it for a minimum of six months. So even if they're off it, but they were on it within the past six months, they still need to wait that time frame out. So you just want to question them about that. Or you might um, say something along the lines of, you know, I've noticed that you said you were allergic to lavender. I'll just double check the ingredients of the products I'm using today to ensure we don't use any lavender. Are you sensitive to the lavender aromas burnt? As I just need to make sure you know, we don't have any lavender burning in the spa today. And just ask them more questions about it. You know, is it just within products that you can't have it applied or are you not able to be around it at all? Because you never know another esthetician or um, your manager, they might be having that in, that essential oil being burnt throughout the spa as well. Um, another example would be, you know, I've noticed that you ticked cancer. Are you currently going through treatment or are you in remission? Um, if you see medical con if you see medical condition or medication that you haven't heard of, um, it does happen to all of us. Just simply ask, you know, you know, can you tell me more about the condition or medication you listed on your consult form? You know, cancers. Cancer is a very obvious one. That's why I've kind of given it as an example quite a few times already. Um, but you know, you, it's we're not doctors, and you may see a condition that you've never heard of, or a medication that you've never heard of, and that's absolutely fine. Just make sure that you're asking them questions. So that's pretty much making sure that you know your consultation forms are used correctly, that the clients are actually filling them out with the necessary information. But then the next step would be through your actual verbal consultation. So um, you know, if you are happy with the consult form, make sure that you then verbally go over contraindications too. So double check with the client that they are definitely 
you know, they definitely have no conditions or medications um, that you need to discuss or have listed and go over any main concerns, obviously, with the client. Like we discussed in pre the previous episode on consult procedures, sometimes things come up that they forget about as well. So just verbally, once you've gone through the uh, form, I would then just be like, okay, so there's nothing that you've missed here. There's no medica uh, medical conditions or medications that you're on that you haven't popped down. I have actually had clients say to me oh I am on a few things but they, they don't that doesn't apply so I didn't write them I'm like oh well it might so let's just put it on there to be safe so it's always good to just verbally check as well and then of course within your consultation when you're discussing like what their main concerns are for their service sometimes things pop up there too so that's also another reason why it's so important that we are checking what our clients main concerns are and that we're altering our treatments and then I guess the last way that I make sure that there are absolutely no contraindications to the treatment is through observation. So once you are ready to start the treatment, observe the area. If you are doing a pedicure, you would have already um, looked at the form, you would have already done the consultation. Now, before you put the feet in the actual tub, or spa, make sure that you remove any polish before you do that because you need to observe and you can't observe if there is polish on the nails. You can't see what's underneath. And we wanna do that before their feet actually go into the water. So remove the polish so that you can actually observe to see if there's any discoloration, any lifting, any abnormalities, I guess. So um, if they have no polish on, of course, I always, just as part of my procedure, I spray the feet with an antibacterial spray before starting. And I use that opportunity to just observe the area without them even really knowing what I'm doing. Um, if you are performing something like waxing, same type of thing. While you are prepping the area with your you know, solution spray and then your powder, that's your opportunity to just be observing the area for any contraindications. It might be something like a bruise or an open wound or of course some sort of um, it might be some sort of infection, anything like that. You're just looking for anything that appears. So you're looking for discoloration, swelling, redness, irritation, just anything that's not normal. So when you are, I guess, looking and observing and just making sure that everything looks okay, if you do come across something that you may already think you know what it is, but Legally, you're not allowed to diagnose any medical conditions. So you don't, you know, and the reason why is because you don't want to worry the client if you have misdiagnosed something, okay? You can get in a lot of trouble if you said to the client, oh, look, it looks like you have a fungal infection. Um, you're going to need to get that cleared before we get started. And it may just be a bruise. So um, it, it, and sometimes it's very obvious what things are, you know, your client might have a cold sore on her lip or she might have, um, it might be like a, a, some sort of fungal infection like ringworm or, you know, it might be something that's very obvious to you, um, but you're still not allowed to actually diagnose it. Okay, so that's why I was saying before, it's really important that you're looking for, I guess, abnormalities. When, when I say that, are you looking for swelling, irritation, discoloration, redness? And, and that's how you're going to, I guess, recognize. So it can be a little tricky, uh, I guess, discussing something that you may have visually observed. 
um, and that's obviously hasn't been brought to your attention. So I always recommend that, you know, the choice of words that you're going to be using with your client is going to be literally what you are observing. So if you are starting a pedicure, for example, and you see green under the client's toenail, <clears throat> the toenail might even be like lifting and it might be very thick. I would say something of the lines of, you know, Mary, have you noticed the discoloration, the lifting and the thickness of this toenail? And you just ask her. She may come back and say multiple different responses, which I'll give you so that, you know, it can help with how you would, you know, take action. Um, she might say something along the lines of like, oh no, I haven't. My toenails are always painted and I never do them. It's always at a nail bar or a spa or a salon. <clears throat> so she's pretty much just saying that she always gets her nails done. She doesn't do them. So therefore she never really sees what's happening down there or underneath the color. And then you could just respond with something like, you know, well, that's okay, Mary. What I will get you to do is just see a GP, get it diagnosed. And once it's healed, we can rebook for your pedicure, you know, and then you might want to give her an alternative. You could say something like, we still have 30 minutes left of your appointment. Did you want a manicure or maybe another service in the meantime? So you've explained to her that she can't have a pedicure done because, you know, we don't know what it is and she needs to get it diagnosed, um, but it doesn't mean that she can't have another service done. She might just, you know, be happy to reschedule and that's it, but you at least offered that. And you would have noticed that I started that sentence off as well as like, that's okay, um, what, I, what, we'll get, what I'll get you to do. So it's just reassuring, it's not judgmental, you know, and it's just, I guess, in, in an understanding way. You might have her respond instead of that way. It might be more like, oh yeah, that's been there for ages. I'm not sure why. So she isn't bothered by it. She doesn't think it's an issue. And she obviously doesn't think that you should think it's an issue. So I would probably say something along the lines of like, oh, okay, I see, um, you know, like due to the discoloration and the lifting, it is the spa's policy that you see your GP and have it diagnosed properly before we do any services. If the doctor is able to confirm in writing that it is just discoloration for maybe bruising or something similar, we can definitely rebook you. Otherwise we can't perform the treatment until it's completely healed. So you've pretty much, you haven't told her again that it is a fungal infection, but you've told her that that because of the discoloration, if the doctor can confirm that it's nothing to worry about, then great. Uh, if the doctor obviously confirms that it is a fungal infection, then it needs to be healed before she comes back in. You might have a response, something along the lines of, oh yes, it's a fungal infection. You can just leave that toe if you like. And then there's often this, that actually happens more regularly than you realize. And there's a few ways of going about this, but this is how I generally would. I would just say, look, unfortunately, the spread of a fungal infection can still occur when we leave that toe as we are soaking the feet, we're exfoliating the feet, we're massaging the feet. And even if we use disposable tools, you still risk the spread of you know, whatever's happening to the other toes. Also, you know, especially if we use polish, that type of thing as well. It's not very often that a client's going to be happy for you to leave one toe because it's got an infection um, because they're going to want it covered. Even if they say to you, I'll oh, just leave that toe out and we'll just polish all of them at the end. Obviously, that's going to affect your nail polish. 
you might have a client that said something along the lines, this is my last example. Um, oh yeah, I just I dropped the microwave on it, you know, about a year ago when I was moving house. It's not infected, it's just really badly damaged. <clears throat> so that actually has been a reason that has come up when I've questioned clients about discoloration in their toenails quite often. Um, if there is no green, then it is just bruising and that's absolutely fine. You might just need to check with the client if there is, you know, any tenderness still. Um, if there is a green color, specifically point that out um, to the client by maybe saying something like, oh, I'm so sorry, that must have really hurt. So recognize that, you know, be understanding. Um, I can see there is a slight green color. Can you see that? You know, get a response and just say, look, due to damage to the nail plate from the accident, the toenail may be slightly lifted. So usually you'll only see purple, brown, or even yellow from just a damaged nail plate. It's probably best that I get you to just have a GP look at it before we do our next pedicure. And again, you're just showing her what you're visually seeing. You haven't said the word that it's a fungal infection. You've explained and educated her on what a bruised or damaged nail can look like um, and why you're concerned. So <clears throat> now, like, you know, sure, you may have clients tell you that they are just going to go to the salon next door because they will, you know, they'll do it for them. You just need to calmly explain that it is absolutely fine and that, you know, it's for the client safety and your salon safety. That's a decision that your client has to make if she's willing to make, do that, you know, make that risk, I guess. Um, now, that's just an example of discoloration, you know, for toenails. If you may observe an undiagnosed lump during a massage or you might find a wound on a client's face during a facial um, you know, that might be something that's contagious, like a cold sore. The same rules apply. You do not diagnose. You just say something like, you know, sorry, um, like, sorry, you, I'm, I'm trying to work out my choice of words. You wouldn't say, you wouldn't say something along the lines of like, you know, sorry, you have a cold sore on your face. You would simply ask, you would say something like, you know, have you noticed the irritation or the swelling or lump or redness or discoloration, you know, in this area? And then just discuss it with the client because she may able, she may even be able to provide proof that it's it's not anything to worry about and explain it to you. She may be able to, and or or not. Um, you know, as we were saying earlier, sometimes it's not completely a contraindication and it may just be precaution. So sometimes you do have other options to offer the client. You may be able to just alter the treatment, you know, not use a specific ingredient, essential oil or product. You might just have to avoid certain areas like in a massage or provide extra care, like maybe more pillows for comfort, that type of thing. You know, as in one of the example I just gave, the client may be happy to change treatment um, and have a complete other service done, or you may just have to reschedule the treatment. Now, your last option, depending on the condition, is potentially to receive particular paperwork from, from the client. So if you have a client that has cancer, currently on medication and going through treatments, it's usually a big no, as we discussed before, to performing any treatments, as you have you know, the risk of spreading the cancer in the client's body and making it more severe to potentially even causing death. So it's pretty serious. However, some doctors 
do recommend you know certain treatments and even massage for certain clients um i actually had a client myself in the exact same situation um she came in i did the consultation with her i looked at her form she was in the middle of uh, i think it was chemotherapy um it was a very aggressive cancer she was pretty much riddled with it um, obviously you have to be very understanding when it comes to, you know, discussing it with a client because they can be quite, um, not sensitive because they have every right to be sensitive about it, but emotional. Um, you know, they try and have an attitude of, you know, I'm going to beat this cancer and, or whatever disease it is and they're fighting and they've probably come a long way. And then you come in and just say, sorry, no, you can't have this treatment because you've got cancer. It can be quite disheartening. So just be just be careful and understanding and just explain to the client so i was just able to explain to her that it was the salon's policy that you know we don't normally perform these treatments due to risk of spreading or worsening and the client was actually able to say well to be honest my my doctor has actually recommended that i come and have these treatments um done to actually help assist with the treatments i'm having done and so what I did, I was actually able to get her doctor um, on the phone during her consultation. So I just said to her, look, do you have your specialist that you're able to call and, and pretty much have on the phone straight away? And she was like, yep. Um, most patients, if they have like quite a serious condition, they will be able to get a doctor or a specialist on the phone quite quickly. Um, I was able to get the verbal permission to start the treatment. Um, and then during her treatment, uh, they emailed over like a written letter with a letterhead and the signature, giving permission for the client to have the specific treatment done that I was performing. So we were able to then print that off and have that in her file. Uh, the other option, if you have a client maybe in a less serious version, um, they may have finished you know, treatments, they're off medication and they're in remission, but you're still a little unsure. Every salon will have a different policy as to when, you know, they think it's okay to start performing treatments. But if you're a little unsure, maybe just get the client to sign a form that you have created. So it's just a form that you might quickly type up advising that you do not recommend the service in her condition and that you have explained the possible um, like after effects, I guess, um, but that the client is still happy to proceed to have the service done. So, I mean, you may ask why is it so important that we do all of what we talked about um, today, and not only is it for the well-being of like you, staff, clients, and pretty much anyone that walks into those front doors, but it also protects the business. You don't want to be in a situation where a client tries to sue you because you performed a treatment on her and caused harm. If you do not have a signed client consultation form, then you are not protected. Like sure, you you may have clients that have medical conditions like cancer or even high blood pressure or maybe diabetes uh, that don't list that on the form because they don't want it to affect the treatment, and that's that's okay because you did your part. If you were like, I guess if they were to try and sue you, then you would have proof that you asked and. You know, if you cannot provide that proof, then you're pretty much screwed. Um, as long as you have asked and they have signed and dated it, I guess that 
then you are you are protected. If you provide proof that they listed their conditions and you still performed the treatment or didn't do the right thing, then of course you can also be in trouble. But it is why we have these measures in place. Um, that's why I guess the forms that we just went over, like getting the client to even sign something saying that you advised that it's probably not best, however, she was still happy to go ahead, then that's obviously going to protect you. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for today. I'm going to start to, to wrap it up there. You know, there are obviously thousands of different conditions and medications that could be contraindications or even precautions, you know, not just the very, very simple and obvious ones that we've talked about today, but it's important to be as educated as you can about different things that you know, could mean altering your services. It's, you know, it is a good idea to go over these with staff regularly also. You know, in meetings, you could do little quizzes or games if you're a manager or a boss. Um, and it could be just going over things that we've discussed today, but it also might be like a quiz or a game on very specific uh, contraindications. You wanna, you might wanna do like a money and petty uh, day where you you go over, you do a game or a quiz on contraindications to money and petties, or it might be a facial one or a massage one. Um, if you, I guess. You know, if you're wanting something like that, if you're needing help coming up with something or some ideas, let me know um, because I can always assist as I did a lot of that kind of stuff with students when I was teaching. We were always coming up with different ideas and different ways we could make topics like this interesting and fun. So I can definitely help with that if you need help. The other thing regarding contraindications is just be on the same page with your employer as to what your policies and procedures are. I've had a lot of students ask me in the past if there, you know, is if there is, you know, situations that they will ever be expected to provide services on contraindicated clients because their employer doesn't want to lose money or, you know, just maybe not have the same values as what they do. And unfortunately, the answer is yes. If if you're not happy with the standards of your employer, you know, that she or he has, and you're not willing to work on these clients, then you kind of have to make sure that you have that discussion with them. Um, everyone's going to be, uh, yeah, like I said, a little bit different as to their priorities when it comes to contraindications. If you're your own boss, then great, you can make those decisions yourself. Um, if you're unsure whether you should be performing a treatment, um, you know, you could even just explain to the client, look, let me, if I would just say something along the lines of like, while I'm doing my consultation, I'm just going to triple check with my manager that we're still okay to go ahead with the treatment. I'm just not sure on a few little things. Just give me a minute and then I would just duck out. That's always the best way to go about something if you're really not sure and you can always then double check too. But it's always good to have that um, discussion in meetings with your managers as well. And if you are a manager or a business owner, it's good to have some sort of like 
policies and procedures on contraindications, like maybe in a folder um, for your staff to look through as well. You could have some examples of, you know, the different conditions that may come up and then what your expectations are to action them. So that's always something that I recommend for business owners as well. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast um, and I hope, you know, everyone's well and excited to reopen. Um, let me know how you th- what you thought of the podcast today. Don't uh, forget to subscribe, comment, um, rate all of that on Apple Podcasts and head over to the Instagram page. Check that out. Give us a follow and I shall see you next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on the Beauty Code podcast. If you have any suggestions, topics or questions that you would like me to cover, please email me at thebeautycodepodcast at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram, which is thebeautycode.podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and I look forward to sharing many more with you. Remember to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when a new podcast is up and leave a review. Bye.